Why do you love it so much? I think if you own your own business, you have to be prepared to take risks. Being a woman doesn't hold you back from achieving success. Yep, so if you're struggling, just stop and pause and, and really reflect on why am I struggling here. But I've also worked really hard and telling me it's luck, I think, just takes away some of that recognition of the hard work. One last question. Welcome to Tea with the Queen, a show where I talk with some of my favourite go-getters, inspiring and courageous women in leadership and business. I'm your host, Emma McQueen. I'm a business coach, executive coach, author and speaker. And for 20 years, I've been working with women to unlock their potential and get paid their worth while doing work they love. Superannuation. It's one of those things that we tend to set up and forget about. But what happens if you have a break in your career or start your own business? If you don't think about your super properly now, your future you might be in a world of hurt financially when you're set to retire. Branka Injak Misik is co-founder of Gig Super, aimed at, you guessed it, those who have their own gig. They don't have an employer who's responsible for paying their super. Branka is a user experience or UX strategist. She aims to make online experience easy, which attracts more customers and results in a better bottom line for the business. And she's got plenty of advice for those thinking of starting their own gig. Branka, thank you so much for joining us on Tea with the Queen today. Let's jump straight in. Can you tell me about Gig Super and what was the catalyst behind it? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. And in terms of the Catalyst for Gig Super, gosh, it feels like a lifetime ago to actually remember that. But um, it actually was started by my co-founders, so Peter and Martin, and they had looked into superannuation for sole traders and had kind of seen a problem there. And back then when they started exploring the problem, what they realized is they come from a financial background. One of them's finance, one of them's engineering and finance, and they didn't have a communications or a marketing person in the business. And they reached out to me to help originally actually build out the app. So my background is in a lot of things, but amongst amongst other things, UX uh, writing, which is how we actually joined forces. So, you know, I jumped on to help them build out that app and then kind of built out everything else, became a co-founder. And that's kind of where it all started. But, you know, it started from the actual problem of when you go out on your own, you do feel like you've just been dumped. Like you've just been dumped. When it comes to superannuation, what on earth do I do now? I wasn't really paying attention. Someone else was taking care of it for me. And now I have to do it. And it feels like a really big, complicated thing to tackle. And so what we've kind of done over the last three and a half years really has been break it down into small manageable pieces and, you know, get rid of the jargon, insert some more human everyday language and really break it down so that it is easier for people to get a grapple on and and understand. And we deal with some of the most intelligent people who are building their own businesses, running their own, you know, running their own thing. A lot of the time, they're also mums who are doing double the work. People know what they're doing. It's just that it feels like such a 
big mountain. And so what we did is go and break it down and just make it more accessible, really. I love that. And tell me, for my audience who may not know what UX is, can you tell us what that is? Yes. So UX is user experience and it's really digging down into how people use products and how they behave online and what they need and clearing pathways for them to get through and achieve what they want to achieve, whether that be with an app or a website or anything sort of digital related. Perfect. Thank you. That's awesome. Um, And it's a bit different to other super companies. How does it work? Yes. Yes. So it is at its core, and this is probably the thing that we've found has been interesting and tricky at the same time. So at its core, it is a super fund, just like the other funds. And actually, not to get too nerdy, and I won't because <laughs> now, <laughs> feel free. Feel free. <laughs> now that I've been part of this journey for a while, um, you know, three and a half years ago, I couldn't have told you very much about superannuation, which is why I joined the journey because I felt like I had I was fixing my own problem and now I could probably take a quiz on it and and tell you things that I never, ever thought I'd know. But (laughs) at their core, super funds are mostly all the same. You know, you've got some bits and pieces, you've got a trustee, you've got somebody who manages the admin and the investments. And so that piece for us is very much like other funds. Where we differ is we've done research to do with our cohort and our target market. And we've realized from that research that self-employed people tend to like to have better cash flow management. So what happens in general when you put money into superannuation, in general, it's locked away until you retire or something else comes up, but generally until you retire. And that can be hard when you're trying to manage a business and your cash flow is up and down. It can be hard to go, oh, I'm locking this money away. So what we've gone and done, and as far as I know, we are the only super fund in the country that has done this, but we have included a saver account as well as a super account underneath the gig super hood. So what happens when you set up an account, you you come in and you hook up your bank account to the saver account and you start saving regularly. Now that can be, you know, we often say, break it down, start small, start with $10 a week just to get going. Because at the end of the day, the hardest thing is just to get started. Yeah, I agree. Um, so once that happens and you've got that regular saving going into your saver account, once a quarter, we do a sweep. And we take everything from your saver account and we put it into your super account to build your nest egg. But what we've gone and done with that saver account is we've allowed people to say, hey, I'm just not sure I want to lock all that money away. Can I keep, a, we call it a buffer amount. So you can choose whether you want five weeks or 10 weeks worth of savings to always be available in there or zero. If you're like, that's fine. I just want it going in there because, and I, I didn't mention this, but you can access that money in your saver, just like other saver accounts. You can get your money out. And so with that buffer amount, you know, someone might go, look, saving $10 a week, five weeks worth of buffer means I've always got 50 bucks in there that when you sweep my money over to my super, I know that I've just got something in there just because I want that peace of mind. So so that's kind of, you know, (laughs) not to go into too much more technical detail, but that's what we've done. We've built that in so that it is more manageable. And then the other part of the non-technical part of that is we've also got a account manager for everybody because again we know that it is tends to be a a bit of an overwhelming 
topic. And so we've got somebody who is dedicated to you and you can always reach out to them if you have any questions and stuff, which I feel like, you know, hopefully other funds pick up on that. And, you know, rather than calling a call center and just getting like a random person and maybe getting passed around, you know that you've got someone you can always go to. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I think also I want to know who your target market is, but I'm assuming it's women because they are the growth in terms of gig economy. But what we do know is that superannuation historically has very much been centered around the employee model, you know, those that work full-time or permanent part-time or whatever. And so other people fall through the cracks a bit, including lots of women in business who they're growing at a very, very fast rate. Would that be right? Is your target market women or do you service a lot of women? Um, <laughs> yeah, look, it's it's very interesting. We actually have almost, oh, I wouldn't say almost, any, no, we definitely have more women members at the moment, but we do have more men than perhaps people would realise. Yeah, right. <laughs> if, that, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. But to your point, there was a couple of things that you've kind of covered there. So, to your point, yes, there is a lot more women leaving corporate, going out on their own. We know COVID has made a lot of people have to kind of choose a lot of things. And I can't remember off the statistic off the top of my head, so don't quote me on it. But the ABN registrations, I think, for 2020 or 2019 were something were through the roof. Mm. And so, yeah, people are more and more going out on their own. And it's honestly not a male or female thing. It is a employee, not employee thing. Yeah, self-employed thing. Yeah. Exactly. And nobody's to blame at all. And it's not really even that the system kind of drops people because the system actually, if you're an employee, works really well. Yeah. If you're an employee. Yeah, yeah. If you're an employee and your employer is putting away, now it's 10%, you're putting away your 10% that they were meant to be putting away. It's almost like Lazy has a, a negative connotation to it. I call it lazy investing, but not in a bad way, lazy, but in a like you are still like your superannuation. I think, gosh, the more people I speak to, the more I've realized people don't necessarily always realize is that you are already investing. I feel like in the last couple of years, there's been a lot of conversations around people needing to invest and, you know, make sure you diversify and all of that sort of stuff. But nowhere do I ever hear anybody talking about superannuation. It's like you're already investing and actually those funds tend to be quite well diversified. Like you, it is a really good system. It's just that when you leave the system and, you know, you're on your own, you're self-employed, it's voluntary. So it's not even mandatory for you to do it. All of a sudden you're like, okay, I first of all, don't really even understand how it works. Second of all, what am I meant to be doing? Where do I start? I already have a fund. Does that fund, you know, certain places, like when you leave that job, you can't actually even use that fund anymore, depending on, you know, what sector you're in. So there's a lot, there's a lot of confusion there. Yeah, I get it. And I also, I mean, I have a lot of I also coach blokes, but I have a lot of clients who are women, right? And when I, we're talking about, you know, you're paying yourself or you're paying yourself super, get a few blank stares. And I'm like, you got to get onto this because the more time that you go and passes, the less your superannuation has a chance to compound. Anyway, um, that gets a bit too technical for people. But um, I think the point is you almost need to make it as important as paying yourself, right? 
Yes, absolutely. And and actually you are paying yourself. That's right. You know, um, our super guide, Paul, he has this really good analogy where he likens it to like a relay race. He's like, you you are dropping your money off here for yourself and you are, you know, and it's you're giving it a chance to compound and when you retire, you are picking it up over there. And often I do speak to, and it does tend to be women more so than men who who tend to use words like, oh, it just feels like a cost. You know, they use the word cost when they refer to this investment. Yeah. But actually, and so it's it's almost like a mindset shift of rewiring that to be, you are actually investing in yourself. <laughs> I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you had a background in tech, yeah? Well, tell us about your career. Yeah. So, well, uh, my background background actually is in copywriting. So I started off in ad agencies. Right. When I left uni, that's where um that's where I started off. So that's to take you back way, way. <laughs> and look, I enjoyed that, but I it was just very um working on a lot of clients and a lot of switching. And I think what I've discovered about myself over the last however many years is that I like to really dig deep and get involved and build product. And so working in an agency just doesn't allow you to do that because you just split too thin amongst a bunch. And look, it works for some people. It just didn't work for me. So yeah, so since then I took copywriting and it used to be more like direct response stuff and more like ads that you'd see. And really I worked for Nimble, which which I sometimes, sometimes I feel odd saying that because it is not a very nice industry, but you know, it is what it is, right? It is what it is. And and I do often say it was one of it was such a great place to work. Regardless of the industry itself, it was a really amazing company and I got exposed to some real experts and real like masterminds especially when it comes to things um like UX and product building and that's really where I built my career I'd say or started to build that. So so that was all um yeah, online product fintech and then since then I've done e-commerce and now I'm doing fintech again so if I feel like there's there's a bit of a trend there but um but yeah like we had a chat about before it was mostly UX writing and then I moved to so user experience tends to be very focused on the user working their way through and I've now moved into customer experience which is just more of a, a holistic overall broad that was my next question. I'm like, what's the difference between UX and customer experience? Is there, is there anything? That's a great segue, though, into my next question. We don't have near enough time, although I really want to dig. But um, tell us, what makes for a great online customer experience? I mean, you already said actually being able to speak to someone, which is one of the frustrations that I have, that everything is automated and it sucks. I just want to pick up the phone, speak to a human being, get it done and get out of there, right? But what makes for a great online customer experience? What are your tips? Oh, gosh. I know you'd have thousands, but, you know, just tell us a few. (laughs) Yeah, and I think to your point, we, we could really attack this question from so many different angles, but I feel like one of the main things that we have done and a lot, a lot of work that we have done has been around, I'm going to get a bit, a bit deep, a bit deep here, Um, has been been around really understanding two things, our positioning as a company and who our customer actually is. And when I say our positioning as a company, 
going to drop a little nugget here in case people are interested. There's a book by a woman called Andy Cunningham. It is really excellent. It's called Getting to Aha. And basically she used to work as Steve Jobs. Oh God, was she his PR manager, his campaign manager, his marketing? She was like his right hand woman and helped him build businesses. And she basically says that pretty much every company in the world falls in terms of their DNA, falls into either a mother, a missionary, or a mechanic at its most core kind of DNA of the company. And then everything else gets built out from there. And your business DNA coupled with your branding ends up being your whole sort of vibe and all of that. So we did a lot of work, <laughs> we did a lot of work on that. And then plus understanding our customer. And so then we went and built the journeys for that person. I think where a lot of people can get pulled into is um, doing everything for everyone. Yeah, especially when they first start. Exactly. And and we all do it because at the end of the day, sometimes you don't have enough time to do that and you do have to kind of figure your way out. So you do. It's fine starting off big, but I think the sooner you kind of realise, okay, the more I get specific with what I'm building and who I'm building it for, the better I can serve that customer. Totally. So <laughs> it's a little bit of an overview, but hopefully helpful enough. But that book is excellent. So it's so funny because my next question is about, oh, yeah, you're really into customer research. <laughs> and you're like, just pull out the books. You pulled out some stats earlier. I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> She's so onto it. But tell me, you also run another business, One Tiny Tribe. What's that? I do. So that <laughs> that was my... When I went on maternity leave the first time, I didn't realize what that was going to be like and how it was going to hit me with the kind of person that I am. We are all wired differently. We're all wired for different things. I really do enjoy my work and love my work. And I think when I went on maternity leave the first time, it was a real shock for me to get ripped out of work and into motherhood. Yeah. And so the second time around, I knew it was coming. And and so I took, look, I took what I knew in terms of like what I did for work and at the time, this was 2014, it was when Instagram stores in Australia were just starting out. Like they weren't really even a thing really but I saw a trend and I thought, okay, I can take everything I know and I'm going to apply it to this and I started an e-commerce store and honestly, I did not start that to build an empire or I started it because I wanted to just keep working but at my own pace. Yeah, yeah, using your brain box a bit. Yeah, I get it. Exactly. And (laughs) honestly, one thing led to another and I ended up building that business into quite a, you know, quite a sustainable little business where I was able to leave nimble where I was working at the time within about two and a half years. So, and then I did one tiny tribe for a while, just that on my own. But again, realizing who I am and how I like to work, I just, I love working with a team. I just love it so much. And while it was great doing things on my own, I just needed that. So I do still run one tiny tribe. It is still, um, it is still, you know, chugging along in the background, but Again, it requires work and I think I've not paid as much attention to it as I have in the past. So, but it's there. It's working. It's so what is it? Is it an e-commerce store? What is it? Oh, sorry. Yes. I didn't really explain that very well. <laughs> it is 
It's an e-commerce store specializing in artwork for boys' rooms because at the time when I started it, so my daughter was just born, but I had a little boy and I couldn't find anything that I liked for his room. And so, you know, as you do, I guess so. It has since, look, it's since probably um, gone a little bit away from that. It's just, it is more for the home now. But yeah, it's it's artwork for homes and kids' rooms. Yeah, that's cool. And I love the fact that you, when you went off on maternity leave, and this happens to so many women, they're like, we don't really know what to expect, especially first baby. You're like, got no idea. No one can tell you, right? Which <laughs> no. is the most infuriating thing. It's just like, hand me a manual, right? <laughs> and so you go off and it's almost like the only identity you have known before you go and have a baby is your work identity, really, right? And I had to do this myself, right? And so when I went off, I'm like, who am I away from work? am I someone (laughs) and then you just you know become the cow basically and (laughs) that's just how it goes yeah and it's such a shock it is just especially especially if you're career driven right yeah exactly like what am I going to do with myself and everyone laughs at you because they think oh you're going to be so busy you won't know what to do with yourself but there's some of that brain element you know you're up breastfeeding at 2 a.m in the morning and you want to do something else as well I love it I love it I mean it's it sounds like you've always been ambitious and full of energy from what I can see where does it come from oh look I don't know that it's necessarily like I said I don't know it's necessarily ambition in the sense that oh well I guess we all probably have different definitions of ambition don't we I mean when I hear that word I kind of think like I said before building empires and you know and for me it's definitely not that but it is for me it's always been there's a problem and I feel like I can fix it better than it's being fixed now. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and so <Here> go, girl. <laughs> when I and and then I just honestly and then the more I start thinking about a specific obviously there's a ton of problems but the more I start thinking about a specific one that I can't tear myself away from I think I've learned to listen to that and be like well maybe this is something to pour myself into. Ah. Oh, that's a good tip on intuition, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, and yeah, and trusting intuition. I think we, the rise of digital and overwhelm and everything else that's going on, I think we've, I don't hear enough talk about trusting intuition. And I feel yes. like it's such a big, big part and such an important part, especially as in business. Totally, got to trust your intuition. And I don't know that we know when our intuition is talking or not. So I think we need to train ourselves to listen to that intuition, right? I don't know. For some people, it doesn't just come naturally. And I found that the more I meditated, the more I could understand and listen to my intuition. Um, And I'm a big meditator. I meditate every day. And it's made an enormous difference to me and just listening to that gut that's going on because otherwise it could be your gut, but it also could be that annoying voice in your head that just never lets up, right? Women have it all the time, right? Men have it too, but just outworks differently for women. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <that's true. laughs> um, I mean, you've adopted James Clear's philosophy. So uh, he wrote Atomic Habits. I had the pleasure of meeting Mr. James Clear. <gasps> He's like six foot seven, man. He's like massive. <laughs> anyway, and I'm five foot nothing. So it was like, hey. <laughs> but his philosophy of continuous wumps and improvement. Can you talk to our audience about that? Yes. Yes, I think we, again, there's so many books you could read or frameworks you could adopt or, and I think we kind of go through and 
I've been refining, figuring out what works for me and then adopting that and sticking to that rather than feeling like I'm constantly missing out on a new thing I should be working on or framework I should be adopting or whatever. And so for me, James Clear's 1% really stood out because I it just felt right. Basically, it feels like not a lot of overwhelm. And I think that's really important because one of the biggest things that can stand in our way is, you know, to your point, we may be ambitious, but then we look at the hill that we have to climb. And we go, oh God, I can't do that today. Whereas just moving one step or two steps is absolutely doable. So I have adopted it in all facets of life, but probably one that I share that I find kind of maybe interesting, maybe not a little bit embarrassing, but I'm not a very, I'm not a very physical person. So going to the gym and stuff, not really my jam. I do do yoga, but not sort of gym stuff. Anyway, when I'd first discovered James Clear and I first heard about the 1%, it was on a podcast and the person who was interviewing him was talking about how he had adopted it and how he had used it to do push-ups. And I thought, well, this is really interesting. This is something I absolutely do not do. Let me see if this works. And I started with one. I am now up to 35. Well done. Consecutively and not putting pressure on myself and adding an extra one when I felt I could. Right. (laughs) You might hear that and be like, what does that have to do with business? But really it does a lot because, you know, when you look at all the things, especially when you're solo and, and the people that I speak to on, you know, a constant basis, you need to do everything. You need to do everything. And you feel that pressure. And it's hard to stay away from shiny object syndrome. It's hard to stay away from, you know, all those things I should be doing because maybe that person's doing it, or maybe that person's not doing it, but my mentor told me, or, you know, all of those things. And I feel like that 1% improvement pulls you back into you are still improving but you're doing it at a pace that actually is sustainable and manageable and isn't going to make you feel pressured isn't it interesting my one percent you know what my one percenter was my one percenter was putting a picture of my zoom so that when people joined my Zoom, they would see my picture. And then after I'd done that, the next one percenter was telling them to go get a snack and a cup of tea, like something funny about when they joined my Zoom. And I was just so wrapped with myself that I'm like, oh, that's a one percenter. It must be a lazy one. I mean, it's not 35 push-ups, but <laughs> I was just. Oh, sorry. I should point out 35 push-ups with like, like it's taken me a year and a half. So it's not 35 push-ups in like a month. <laughs> It's 35 push-ups in a year and a half, but every day, every morning, I have habits stacked to make sure that, you know. <laughs> Love habit stacking, yep. <laughs> what do you, uh, for our listeners, can you quickly explain habit stacking? Oh, <laughs> well. Um, well, your version of it because, you know. Exactly. Well, my my version of habit stacking is, you know, I have tied it to something that I already do to make sure that I do it. So I get up in the morning, I do my gratitude journaling, I do my push-ups, I do my meditation. And 
eventually there will be something else that I will add, but that's already a stack that happens. And so it's just so much easier to add something to it rather than starting new and then you don't do it. And then you do it this day and you don't do it that day. So yeah, I agree. I totally agree. I'm misconsistency. I've got discipline as one of my top five strengths. So if you just tell me I need to do it, I just do it. But tell me, how are your arms after a year and a half, 35 push-ups a day? I'm just curious about the strength bit because <laughs> you would expect that they're stronger, right? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, on that yoga front, I didn't used to be able to, you know, when they, they tell you to push yourself down into push-up position and then go down really slow, I can do that now without um, pain. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. How many are you going to get up to before you decide that's enough? I don't know. I'm just, I'm now just keen to keep seeing how far I can go, you know? And I think that's probably the exciting thing. It's turned something that I honestly would never do. Yeah. It's something that I'm like, oh, cool. I can do this and I can keep hacking at it and see, see how far I can go. That is the thing about James's book is that like there's so many hacks in it. You just pick the hacks you want and stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, I, I love meeting another fan of James Clear. His newsletters are amazing too, P.S. Anyway. My favourite. The one, well, not one, the one of three that I always read, always. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Three, two, one. Anyway, um, you know, if anyone's listening, go look up James Clear. Get on his newsletter list. It's pretty good. So going out on your own, starting your own company, it's a really big step, right? Any tips for those who are listening who are, thinking about starting their own business what would your tips be oh what would my 1000 tips be that I (laughs) I know Uh, I maybe this is just because of who I am and how I'm wired but I would say something that I feel doesn't get talked about enough is you may feel like you are going out on your own and starting on your own but if you have the mindset that you are not alone and that you need people around you. And the sooner that you can wrap your head around that, a lot of people go out on their own. They don't have money for a VA or somebody to help them. It's not necessarily that. It's not people in your business or helping you. It's more your people, your crew, finding your support network really, isn't it? Jinx. (laughs) (laughs) Great wine, something, something. (laughs) But I think that that would be my number one, like above anything else, that would be my my number one tip would be to whatever that looks like. And when you mentioned before about when you, um, you know, you're up at 2am breastfeeding, I think part of the reason that One Tiny Tribe ended up growing and expanding and I did it on my own while I was, you know, had a baby and was super busy is because I built that community at 2am in the morning and we were all the same. We all sat there at 2am, you know, and it didn't feel like I was doing it on my own. Like I was doing my business on my own, but that's just, you know, the technical parts of your business. The mindset thing is a whole other ball game, and you need that. Otherwise, it's going to be really hard to make it. I to- well, you know, I agree. Mindset is my thing, <laughs> right? And uh, it's eighty percent mindset, actually. I think if you can get your mind in the right space, which involves so many other things, then twenty percent is the implementation, right? Any other tips? What's your second tip? My second tip would be, <laughs> again, going back to what we've already talked about, but it would be to put things in place so that you don't feel overwhelmed because what will happen 100% is that you are going to start something and then 
once you do, you open doors to yourself, right? Like things you probably didn't think about, but now that you're in it and you're doing it, you're like, oh gosh, and I should be doing this with my marketing or I should be on a thousand social media platforms or I should be, you know, doing all of this with my finances. And again, because you're doing it all yourself, it's going to get overwhelming. So putting things in place to help you stay focused and stay on track and, you know, doing your one percenter would be my my second tip. So, you know, even though maybe your copywriter or your copywriter friend has told you that you need a full welcome sequence of emails, start with one. It's okay. It's okay. It's not going to break because you don't have a thousand of them in place and then just work your way up. Yeah. I see lots of women, especially starting businesses and they head very quickly into overwhelm. It's like amazing. I'm like, okay, let's just take a step back. What's the one thing you need to do? You don't need to, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. Just take one step back and think about, will this get me closer to my goal? May not be tomorrow, but it may be in a week or a month or whatever. And I think sometimes also sharing some of that, you know, like just having someone there to go, okay, it's fine. We know what to do here. We just have to kind of do it in this order or we need to do it in these pieces or we need to do it in these steps and it's going to be okay. And I think a lot of women come to me and they do have that overwhelm going on. I'm like, let's just strip it all the way back. What's the most important thing for right now? For right now, it might be revenue. And normally it is when you start your own business, right? Because you need revenue to be able to do other stuff. So let's just focus on that. What's going to bring you in the most revenue? And then they might go to, oh, I need a 16 email sequence to do da 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 da. I'm like, hmm, you need to pick up the phone and make some phone calls. Like, yes. Oh. <laughs> Yes. Emails, emails don't necessarily sell things, but humans do. So let's try that. So I think it's really interesting when when you're starting a business just to go, you know what, there will be overwhelm. So firstly, let's get that straight. You will at times feel, holy crap, there's so much to do. But let's just pair it back and go, what do we need to do today or tomorrow or the next day? But I love that. That's great. I love your tips. Have you got any other tips, any other tips from Branka that we can tell our audience about? Well, I guess my third one would be, Again, we've got a theme. We've got a theme in our chat today, I feel, but it would be going back to the customer thing and then getting down and niching down. I mean, it's all, look, my biggest thing, I think, with building a business is you have to understand through and through who you are going to serve, who you are building this for. But from a practical standpoint, I also understand, and having done this myself a couple of times now, I also understand that that's not necessarily always a thing you can do at the beginning. So I could sit here and preach, understand your customer and work through it. I I could and I do. (laughs) I do quite often. But I also understand that from a practical point of view, that can get tricky when you're trying to juggle a bunch of other things. So my third one would be you've started, you're on a roll, you see that it's going, you're working on your mindset, you're trying not to feel overwhelmed. Start niching down and figuring out who it's for because actually it will make your life easier. It sounds like it it often can feel like it won't, but you know, to your point before, if you if you do the research and you you find and you figure out that actually there is an addressable market here that I can make a sustainable profit from, well, go serve your market. It'll make your life easier. It'll make and just 16 um sequence email could actually have been wrong because now that you know who you're serving, maybe none of it applies. Yeah. it's a, And, you know, sometimes I say to my clients, your market that you choose 
today may not be a forever market. It just might be for right now, right, while you're gathering up research. Because we start with a great idea. We think it's a great idea. Then we test it in the market and we think that's not the right market or, you know, whatever we do. Or we test it in the market and it goes and we think, holy crap, this has got wings. This is awesome. And so you just never know, right? So, yeah, I think it's it doesn't have to be forever. It can just be for now while you figure out the rest. Oh, absolutely. And that's a great one too. Number four, give yourself permission to change things. Yes. Because, <laughs> we, get, you know, we get locked down and also, you know, um, psychology 101, consistency, right? We as humans, we do something and we tend to stay consistent with that thing. You don't have to. It is okay to evolve. Even if it doesn't serve us anymore. I spoke about this at the last Business with the Queen because I'm like, sometimes we have habits and they no longer serve us. We don't need those habits anymore. It's like I had this habit of if I picked up a book and started reading it, I forced myself to read the whole thing. And then I went, why? This is just so stupid. So now if I get to page 20, I'm just not into it. Just it's fine to let it go. But you know what? Sometimes it's having that self-awareness. This is a habit. You can break it. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a great conversation about one percenters and UX and customer experience. And uh, we wish Gig Super all the very best. And we're we're very blessed here at Team Emma McQueen because we get to hang out with you guys a little bit more than the average bear, which is very nice. But, uh, yeah, we wish you all the best. Oh, thank you. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. That's it for this episode of Tea with the Queen. If you love this episode, let me know. I would love to hear from you. And you're very welcome to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. If you want to contact me directly, all my details are at my website, emmamcqueen.com.au. I look forward to your company next episode. I'm Emma McQueen. Thanks for listening.